We don't really get to choose. <laughs> we're happy with whatever it is. Good morning, everybody. I think we're going to try to get started on time for Dr. Kimball here. Um, Glad to have y'all here. Maybe if uh, some of the gentlemen in the back would uh, grab a couple more chairs out of the gym, that would be helpful for the latecomers. But anyway, <clears throat> appreciate you being here. We're talking about passing on the faith to our children and what do we need to do to uh, be effective in trying to do that and, and in trying to uh, be consistent uh, before them as they watch us and as we try to communicate things to them. Dr. Kimball is going to talk to you today about children and money and finances and how we can apply that. Now, <clears throat> this is our third week, and, and over the last couple of weeks, you've gotten some outlines uh, from us. What we'd really like you to do is hang on to those outlines, and when you um, have date night with your spouse or you do something with them, take those outlines with you and... Um, or one of them anyway, and talk about some of the things that we've talked about and see how you can apply those in your home, what you need to do differently and how you can make the things that we've talked about uh, come about in your house so that uh, you can be more effective in some of these different areas. So see if that's something that will work for you. <clears throat> and that would be, I think, a way you can extend what we're trying to do in here. All right. I'm going to open in prayer and then... Uh, Gary Kimball is going to lead the class here. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today on a special day. Thank you for Easter and for what it means for the risen Lord. Thank you for how uh, the Holy Spirit applies all of these principles into our hearts and lives. We pray for uh, Gary today that you would uh, quicken his heart and his mind, help him to uh, emphasize the things that you would have him to uh, put forth. Pray that he would have clarity of thought. Pray that his equipment would run well, and we pray that we would have teachable hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for the prayer for the equipment. I didn't realize we had such antiquated stuff. There's a menu, and you can't pick on a menu. You just have to fast forward until you get it. So you might have a little overlap. Uh, we are going to watch Dave Ramsey in his talk on how to teach children how to handle money. And it's similar to what Doreen and I heard 30-some years ago from Larry Burkett on how to teach children how to handle their money. And at the end, you'll see his daughter say, it works, folks, it works. Uh, Doreen and I have followed this for 31 years now. It does work, and your children will model what you're doing. That's the scary part, okay? <laughs> but anyway, you can look at the initial handout. I'd just like to read the first two paragraphs. It says, learning to handle money is part of a child's education part that parents cannot leave to teachers. They must direct it themselves because spending experiences are found in the outside world rather than in the classroom. How well you prepared, prepared were you to make financial decisions when you left home? We might discuss that a little later and you might be willing to share. Uh, parents and teachers spend 18 to 22 years preparing youth for occupations but generally less than a few hours teaching children the value and use of the money that they will earn during their careers. Each generation has a responsibility to leave their children the legacy of understanding and applying God's financial principles. Now, this is a joke, but anyway, um, 
I'm sure the other two people who spoke, I know Steve said, no, I'm not authority in this area. I am authority on this area. No, I'm joking. <laughs> and mathematically, I'm not going to give you an equation. If you do A plus B, you're going to end up with C with highly financially successful children. Uh, it does require a lot of prayer and discipline and guidance on the part of parents. And modeling, that's the big scary part, modeling, because we know what Luke 6.40 says, when the student is fully trained, who are they going to be like? Their teacher. Are the parents the teachers? Yeah, they're going to be like us. Isn't that scary? Uh, but anyway, now I hope this video presentation worked for us. When it comes to kids and money, teaching your kids how to handle money is not the school's responsibility. They should be doing it. By and large, they're not doing it. And you've got to remember, ultimately, it is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to make sure your kids are taught. This stuff is not taught in schools. We have a high school curriculum called Financial Peace for the Next Generation. It's taught in a couple of thousand schools. And, and, and so it, we're helping a lot of teenagers. And I think it ought to be in every high school, don't you? Yeah. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. But it's not. And if it's not in your high school, then it's your job to teach your kids about money. And don't wait till they get to high school anyway. It's part of being a parent to teach them these things. It's part of being a parent to teach them to drive, to teach them to wear clothes that fit their body. It's, you know, th th this, is, this is part of being a parent, isn't it? We have these responsibilities, and we can't let someone else out there take that job from us. We will be disappointed in the results. Proverbs 22.6 says, you probably heard this. Have you heard it? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Have you heard that? Say yes. Here's an interesting thing. I have never heard anybody quote that scripture with the one immediately following it. It's interesting. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. 22.7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Maybe we ought to teach our kids about money. Maybe we ought to teach our kids about debt that when you sign up for a credit card, it doesn't make you an adult, it makes you a slave. There's an idea. Maybe we ought to teach our kids about work. Things like in the Bible, it says the diligent prosper, but he who hastens to be rich will, go un will not go unpunished. Get rich quick doesn't work. Working your tail end off does work. That's what that says. And teach those lessons to our kids. Around our house, we pay commissions, not allowances. We never had allowances at the Ramsey household. I don't believe in allowance. Allowance to me sounds like welfare. It sounds like I'm going to make allowance for you because you're somehow deficit. You're not able to do anything of value, so I'm going to make allowance for you. Commission says that if you work, you get paid. If you don't work, you don't get paid. That's what commission says, and that works every time. You know, I remember one time we were driving along. Our kids were a lot smaller then, and one of mine was about 13 years old and, and was going on, Dad, why are you so tough on us? You're so, you, you know, our, our friends don't have to work the way you work. Us, you make us work. You make us do all these things. You make us do this. You make us save money. I mean, we have all these rules that the other kids don't have. Dad, why are you so tough on us about this money stuff? Is it just because you're afraid you're going to be embarrassed? And I went, well, yeah, that's part of it. But I said, more than anything, the reason I'm so tough on you is this. We've done a great job with money, so we've got a lot of it. And so when we die, you're going to be very wealthy. And if you don't have the personal character 
the, the muscle and the bones of character to carry the weight of that wealth, it will ruin your life. It will take away your desire to win. It will take away why God put you on the planet and you'll become one of those trust fund babies. Stinky things. I don't want any of those. I want children that are arrows that we turn loose, that are straight and they're clean and they fly true and they hit the mark. That's what we're trying to grow. And that happens with lots and lots of forming and reforming and reforming. That's the character to carry that wealth. You see, words are powerful. Be careful what words you're using with your kids. What are you speaking into their lives? What are you speaking at them? You gotta be very careful about that. See, if you work, you get paid. If you don't work, you don't get paid. Around our house, we use the stuff that we now have in a thing called Financial Peace Junior. We used to put on the, um, on the refrigerator door, we would put a commission worksheet that looked a lot like this, little magnets on the back, and we'd stick it to the door. And we'd write on here the chores that you had to do. And we'd put a dollar amount beside each of the chores. Now, it wasn't a big complicated thing. When they were pretty small, you know, they're six, seven, eight years old, it was five chores, and it was a dollar a piece for each chore. So you do all the chores, you get five bucks. You don't do all the chores, you get four bucks, three bucks, whatever. And so we'd check off if you did them, and you got paid if you did them, and if you didn't do the chores, you didn't get the money. It's that simple. Did you know that everyone in here is on straight commission? Try not going to work for six weeks and see if you get paid. <laughs> You're on straight commission. Everyone here is work, get paid, don't work, don't get paid. It's good to teach little guys that. I mean, it's really good. You don't have to be so hard on them. You want to do it age appropriate. We don't want to create Hitler's boot camp for money. That's not the point, okay? But we do want these kids to learn this stuff at four, five, six, eight, ten years old because, I mean, 58-year-olds who still haven't made an emotional connection between money and work. It's how money is created. It's created with work. And so we use the basic commission thing. Well, Dave, we think that around our house you ought to just do chores just because you're part of the family. I said five. The rest of ours you do just because I'm larger than you and I can hurt you. Because <laughs> you're part of the family. When I get up from the dinner table and take my plate to the sink and scrape it off and put it in the dishwasher, I didn't do that because I get paid. I did that because I love my wife and it's one way I can serve her that evening after she's been in a hot kitchen all day. Okay? That's that deal. And the same thing for my kids. They love their mom. They love their dad. They need to do stuff for, as being part of the family. That's part of the deal. But if you only do that, you don't ever teach them that work creates money. Because i got to tell you, when they earn money and they have money that's in their hand that they earn, they treat it different. And they make different decisions at that point. And you get to teach them other teachable lessons. So do some things that are just because you're part of the family. But do some things where we make that connection and create teachable moments in the process as well. You know, teach by example as well. That, that, you know, here's an idea. you got to understand that they're going to do what you do. If you're stressed out and the way you medicate stress is, is you pray, then they're going to pray when they're stressed out. If the way you medicate stress is you go buy a new dress, they're going to go buy a new dress when they're stressed out. They're watching you. They smell this stuff. You know, the old thing, I would rather see a sermon any day than hear one. And kids, that's how they live their whole lives. When our children were little, our oldest, who's now, now probably be embarrassed that I show this, but when she was a little bitty kid in preschool, the little teacher took, this was a brave little teacher, took each of these little kids and put their little feet in paint and put the little footprint on a little cardboard thing, and it looks like this. This is my oldest, Denise. And they wrote across the top, I'm following in your footsteps. Now, if you put that on your office desk for a couple of years, 
It'll change how you act and react about just about everything, won't it? Because they're watching. They're going to do what you do. So you can teach and you can have all these speeches and all these other things. You can take them to all the Dave Ramsey stuff and all that stuff. But ultimately, you're running around borrowing money every time you turn around. Your kids are going to run around borrowing money every time they turn around. That's what's going to happen. You are their family of origin. And you're going to bless them or curse them with that process. Now, as you're teaching them, be age-appropriate in the process. You know, show them how debt works. Show them how to be debt-free. But a four-year-old doesn't grasp that. So, but as you're talking to teenagers, they get a little bit older, you know, talk to them about how insurance works. Talk to them about what a Roth IRA is or what a 401k is. Talk to them about taxes and voting and these kinds of things. You know, because you want to raise them that vote like you do, right? I mean, that's how that works. <laughs> so, if the children are very young, when you start out, just use a clear plastic container like this. And as you pay them, wad the money up so it takes up more room and stuff it down in there. See, that's not a lot of money in there. That's a bunch of ones just wadded up and stuffed in there. But if you had that in a neat little, little pile, you nerds, it really wouldn't look like a lot of money. This is a free spirit savings account right here, okay? But here's what happens, see, when you're four years old and you clean up the room, did you really clean up the room? No, not really. Around our house, when you're four years old and you clean up the room, you picked up three or four toys, mom and dad did the rest, and you got all the out-of-boys and out-of-girls. You are a superstar room cleaner. You are awesome. Give me a high five on the clean room. Way to go. Hopefully, they'll kind of get that in their spirit, and then when they're a teenager, it won't look like a nuclear dump, you know? All right? So, you know, you do that. You train them, right? And then, let me tell you, pay them right then. That was hard work cleaning up that room, and I'm really proud of you. That was good. A dollar. Don't have to be a lot of money, and you crumple it up, and you put it in here. And then every so often, you don't have to have a big system. That's the whole system when they're tiny, okay? Every so often, you get them all out, all these dollars out, and you smooth them out, and you go down to Toys or Them. I remember one time we went down to Toys or Them, and we were there to buy Celebration Barbie. <laughs> and we didn't have the money, so we got, sort of kind of had a party Barbie. <laughs> I got to tell you, that was a character-growing experience right there, to not buy what we went after because we didn't have the money. Because I'm looking at those little eyes looking up at me. Celebration, Barbie, man. It was a character-growing experience for me. I remember it. The kid doesn't even remember it. Because I had to go. Because I, I mean, it's just another few dollars. I mean, aren't they sweet? Isn't this cute? That's how this works. Now, do I do that every time? No, sometimes I just step up and totally buy Celebration Barbie. But other times, we're like, okay, this is how this deal works. Money is finite. There's only so much of it. You need to get that in your spirit as you go along. You don't get everything you want. Well, I deserve it. You don't deserve it unless you have the money. That's when you deserve it. That's how you want to transfer this. Just having big, cute eyes doesn't give you the, the right to deserve everything. We've got people all over our culture trying that, and it just doesn't work, right? So we use three envelopes at our house. We use the spending envelope, the saving envelope, and the giving envelope when we paid the little guys. And, and so giving, spending, saving, you know, what we would do is take that $5, those five $1 bills, and we would break them up into these three envelopes. And, and so we'd say, okay, we're going to put in the giving, we're going to put a dollar in the giving envelope, we're going to put $2 in the spending envelope, and $2 in the saving envelope. And then when we get ready to go do some giving at church, what do we do? You go get your giving envelope on Sunday, and you take your money that you earned, and you give your money. That's different than 
oh, we're getting out of the car, walking through the church parking lot. I'm going to give you a little money for the children's church plate. That child didn't do anything. They were just a courier for your money. They don't receive any kind of lesson from that. They don't receive any kind of blessing from that. But when they cleaned up their toys and they fed the dog and they did the dishwasher and then some of that money is given, their little character starts to change. And you know, they're more natural givers than you and I are. It's not hard to teach them to give, most of them. Okay? And you teach them to save money and to set some goals and you teach them to spend money and you do celebration barbie or sort of kind of had a party barbie or whatever you need to, you know, you, you buy whoever you can afford. That's what you do. And, and you save up that money and do that. So work the threes like that until they get a little bit older. Now, when they get a little bit older, they're 13 to 15 years old, what we did at that age, 15, 16 years old for some of them, if they've been trained on this other stuff all the way up and they've got these ideas of work, giving, saving, spending, and how money works in those four categories, then you can put them on a checking account. We did that with our kids. We said, okay, here's what we normally would spend on you in our neighborhood on clothing, on entertainment, on car gas for your car that we would give you. Not the car, but the car gas. Here's the money that we would normally spend on you anyway. We're not going to give it out to you like 20, 20, 20, 20, $20, $20, $20, $20, $20. I was on vacation the other day, and I saw this dad by the pool that said, had a t-shirt that said, my kids think I'm an ATM. And I looked at that, and I thought, no, your kids think you're spineless. They think there's no end to you. They think they can just come up to you at any time and do anything with you. That's not funny to me. It's kind of sick. And so instead, what we're going to do is, we're going to give you this amount of money in your checking account at the first of the month. When we started doing that, our girls, particularly, start shopping at different stores. Because you buy one dress with that amount of money, or you can buy 15 things with that amount of money. It just depends on how you think about it. And when that's it, and they really believe that Dad said, that's it, then that's it. And it's been amazing. And you get the opportunity, they have a new chore. Keeping the checkbook balanced, not bouncing any checks. I've got one that's never bounced a check. All the way up through college has never bounced a check. I've got another one that bounced a check one time. Can you imagine being Dave Ramsey's kid and bouncing a chair? <laughs> oh, man. I made that one go down and talk to the banker. I said, you have to go down to the banker and personally apologize. <laughs> you will never bounce another check again. You just do that one time when you're 16 years old, right? You apologize for, for lying to them, for writing a check and out of their bank that you didn't have the money in there to cover. You lied. It's an integrity issue. Dad, you're kidding. No, I look like I'm kidding. You get your butt down there. Change their life. What a wonderful lesson. What if somebody done that to me when I was 16? It's been a whole different Dave Ramsey story, I can promise you. It's a whole different mindset on how this stuff works. The other thing we've done is we, we decided when our kids were teenagers, that, and long before they were teenagers, we started telling them this, we're not buying your car. I'm not going to buy your car. I'm saving up. I'm going to pay for your college education, but I'm not buying your car. If you want a car, you better save up the money. We've been blessed, so I will match you. Our matching plan is 401, Dave. <laughs> I'll match you as you go along, but, but I am not buying your car. So whatever you save up, that's what you're going to have. One of them was saving long, and somebody asked him the other day, you know, how are you doing towards your saving? And they said, I think I'm headed towards a really nice bicycle. So I'm going to kind of get with it. But I'll tell you what, the first one saved up some money, got a match, and got a nice car. The second one went, whoa, that happened for real. Dad wasn't kidding. Got on the ball, got more money got a bigger, nicer car. The third one's going, Dad, I'm thinking New Hummer. <laughs> and, and really, probably could have pulled that off, 
but, but we kind of went in and intervened. So here's my suggestion to you. If you're going to do the 401 match thing, I would recommend on the front end saying up to a certain amount, put a limit on it, okay? I wasn't smart enough to see this coming because as they move down the siblings, they get smarter about this, okay? Once they see it's a real deal and it's really, really, really going to happen. So the deal is this. You need to teach your kids about money, and they want to know. A Charles Schwab survey just the other day said 89% of teens want to know more about money. That's why the high schools need to be teaching it. Teens are really hungry for this stuff. They want to know how it works. And yet a Jumpstart Coalition study of high school seniors did a survey and did, and did some testing of high school seniors all across the nation in all kinds of different socioeconomic settings. It wasn't just poor neighborhoods or rich neighborhoods. And, and here's what happened. 52.4% of the people that took the exam, a basic personal financial exam as a senior in high school achieved a score of F and yet they're getting ready to graduate from high school and we're going to turn them loose and send them out there. Who's going to teach them about buying a new car? Car dealer? Now, there's a plan. <laughs> See, we parents have got to get involved and the schools need to get involved. There's a whole process there. You have the ability to change your family tree. Don't just give them money. If you do the stuff we teach in here, you're going to become wealthy. And if all you give them is money and no character, you will be a curse in their life. You'll change your family tree in a negative way. Teach them to work. If you teach them a work ethic, if you teach them integrity, a godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And it's not just an inheritance of money. It's, a, it's an inheritance of character. And if they learn all of these things, if you just give them a work ethic and, and, and honesty, they'll be able to go win. If that's all you do. If you give them a work ethic, honesty, and money, well, you've started a new thing. You're the new Rockefellers. You're the new Vanderbilts. You've begun to bust the whole thing up. And so kids really care about this stuff. Be proactive. Warren Buffett said, give enough money to your kids that they can do anything, but not enough that they can do nothing. So to close up this lesson tonight, I thought it would be fun to have one of the Ramsey kids come and talk to you about kids and money. So I want to welcome our middle child, Rachel Ramsey. Come out, baby. Thank you. Well, hey guys, I'm Rachel, and you'll always hear Dad say, money's fun if you got some. Well, not if you're named Ramsey's kid. <laughs> Do you know that we have to work for every single thing that we want. You think you hear Dave says this or Dave said that? Try living with the man. <laughs> now you know all those top 10 lists that they have on TV? Well, I made my five top reasons why it is so tough to be Dave Ramsey's kid. So reason number five why it is so tough is that every time you get in trouble, all you can hear is dad's voice repeating over and over in your head. Sell so much stuff, make the kids think they're next. <laughs> Reason number four why it is so tough to be Dave Ramsey's kid. You have to pull out your envelope system when you're this big at school to buy chocolate milk. <laughs> Reason number three why it is so tough. Anytime a hot guy asks to pick you up for a date, you're required to ask him if his car is paid for. <laughs> and reason number two why it is so tough, those stupid scissors.
losers. <laughs> Anytime a guy comes to pick us up on a date, Dad's standing on the front porch with a crazy look in his eye going, your handout, and I do have a oh one. Anyone need to have one more? Anyone need a handout? Oh, okay. Let's see if you were paying attention. Uh, number one, what kind of communication do we need to give to our children, not only in this area, but all areas of raising them? Are they going to pick this up just by osmosis, being observant? Modeling. modeling and actually verbalizing, teaching it. This is an agenda. It just doesn't happen. Uh, second, well, modeling financial faithfulness. Be imitators of me just as I am also of Christ, and that was the big emphasis here. Uh, being modeled, modeling proper handling of your resources. Uh, 
how you respond to money or the like of it is how they're going to respond to money or the like of it. Uh, it says we can teach what we believe, that's head knowledge, but we only can reproduce who we are. And that's what the Bible verse was saying of Luke 640. Uh, and create learning opportunities. As we uh, saw here, Dave Ramsey created many uh, learning opportunities. At what age should you start these many learning opportunities? Early, early. Not when they're 16, because I think it's going to be very hard to start training anything at 16. And then budgeting. As soon as the child is ready for school, he or, should, he or she should begin to receive income to manage. Now, he called it, what did he call it? Commissions. He didn't like allowance. I never heard of that. Uh, we gave allowance, but I'm going to change it. We gave him commissions. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> When you hear the word allow, you're allowing, or in other words, making excuses for why they don't have anything because they don't want to do anything. Uh, and I, I do like the commission uh, terminology much better. Uh, and parents should establish boundaries and offer advice on how to spend money, but children must have the freedom of choice. Oh, why should children have the freedom of choice? After all, they're only seven, and they have $5 to spend. They see the consequences of their decision. If it was a poor choice, you provided the guidelines and boundaries, but if they ignore it, they have to live with their consequences. I wanted to go go to Disney next week, and I don't have any spending money because I always spend it on some foolish junk at some dime store. Okay, that's too bad. Notice what about what was it? Uh, Celebration Barbie. Have any of you been in that experience? Your child didn't quite have enough money to buy it. They needed about four more dollars, and you caved. And what did they learn? You're a soft touch. Okay, just start crying. And you'll get it. Is that real life, though? No. No. He did say occasionally they would do it, but as a pattern, no. You save up, and if you really want it that bad, you save your money, and then you can purchase the item. He also talked about giving. And have you found this true with your children? They're more free about giving than probably you are? Yes. And notice he was giving not 10%, but 20%. $1 out of the five, he was giving 20%. This should be a common practice. Now, I was raised in a household where it was quite common. And um, my parents gave a great deal of money away, not large sums, but consistently. So I grew up, I never had a problem with tithing or giving. That was just second nature, and I lived on what was left. So therefore, it was never an issue for me. But I know it has been for a lot of other people. And then they try to, do we tithe on the gross or the net? Um, why should you even be questioning such things? What's God's done for us? Why should we cheat him out of $10 or whatever it happens to be? So here again, of course, we don't take Sunday school offerings, so we don't have that problem, but an um, issue. Uh, did you catch the example? And I know I was raised this way, got out of the car. Oh, here's some money for the Sunday school offering. It wasn't my money. I was just a delivery person. I thought that was a very important uh, lesson. <clears throat> savings. The habit of saving should be established as soon as a child receives an income. In other words, that should be normal response. You have bring in so much money, you save so much money for a rainy day. You might need it for some piece, reasons. Now, <clears throat> we did that with our daughters, and by the time they were 13, you can open a Roth IRA account with Vanguard. They do that. And when they were teenagers, they babysit, and you could earn a lot of money babysitting. If, they stayed, if the parents stayed out a long time. Uh, but anyway, and they normally were able to max out what, at that time the total that you could give to Roth IRA. So it became a pattern for them of saving and investing for the future. 
Um, and also teach your children the benefit of compound interest. <clears throat> There's a lot of benefit to that. Now, she was a little gross exaggerating about supersizing and that 39 cents was going to make you a millionaire by the time you're 83. No, it's only going to make you 900,000. No, <laughs> it does work, <clears throat> and they need to have a, a basic understanding, not a five-year-old, but a teenager, 13, 14, should be able to understand compound interest, and it does pay off. Conversely, <clears throat> if you borrow money, that debt goes up real quick, too. They're going to charge you more interest on the debt that you don't pay off. If you just pay the minimum on your credit card, which I would never do, uh, <clears throat> that's another thing you need to teach your children, how to handle credit cards. When they go off to college, what's going to happen? Be inundated through all these credit card companies, and they give them these big limits. Oh, you can borrow up to $10,000, and guess what? If they're not used to handling money, what will they do? Borrow the $10,000, and then they get to pay 18% interest on it. <clears throat> that only happened during the Carter administration. Uh, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> it's a poor investment. Uh, debt. Teach them how difficult it is to get out of debt. <clears throat> I deal with college students. As a parent, I would never allow this, and I didn't. Um, they're going off to a private institution, which has cost more than going to a public institution. <laughs> I have students graduating between sixty dollars and $80,000 school debt. <clears throat> I said, do you know that's more money than your parents probably bought, paid for their first home, and they got 30 years to pay it off? And you don't, because most, in most of these are government loans, which only allow 10 years uh, to pay that off. And if they're majoring in education, sorry, Mike, but you're not going to get wealthy in education, because I've been in it for 43 years, and I'm not wealthy. So therefore, they're going to get out this elementary teaching job. You get minimum wage, mid-30s. How can you pay off an $80,000 debt? when you're only making 35000 a year. And then they want to get married, and first of all, they're going to have a child coming along the way. I want this new house and new cars, too. <clears throat> Look at the money, folks. You can't stretch it that far. So I would never agree to a, a child borrowing money to go to school. If, they, if, we, if I could not afford it, which I told my daughters, I cannot write you a blank check. I am not wealthy. We will help as much as possible. But you, now you have to know your own child and children. You are intelligent enough. You better get scholarships. And you would be amazed we prodded uh, during more than I did. Uh, now, there are a lot of $500 scholarships one time, and it took you two hours to write the little essay, and you got $500. Now, how many jobs can you get that's going to pay you $250 an hour? None. Okay? At this point, I hope. Uh, but anyway, you just encourage that. Even uh, Christina, she got a... She wrote an uh, essay on the value of having a real estate broker and selling your house. It was the Florida Real Estate Board. And she won it for the state and won $4,000. And it took her a couple hours just writing that little simple essay. But if, if you're going to give them a blank check, oh, whatever it is, I'm going to pay it. They're not going to be motivated to do that. I, they had no choice. You want to go there, you have to pay for it. Now, I also told my daughters, they went to Covenant College, um, that if you're going there, we will help as much as possible, but you at least have to pay 10% of the total bill out of your own pocket. How you raise it, through scholarships, that's fine. Uh, through working, that's fine. They did, they did deplete their normal savings account to go there. I also told them, um, I can't buy you a car, somewhat like Dave Ramsey. They normally bought our car that we were trading off anyway, but I gave it at 50% off the Blue Book price. They had to pay the other 50%. I was not handing them a car, help you maintain it, but I'm not buying you a car. I don't have the resources, but you need to learn the cost 
to live is expensive. So, and when they went, both went to graduate school, uh, I would maintain their car for them and their car insurance, but I could not help them at all, and neither one got scholarships for graduate school, but anyway. Um, teaching children to work. <coughs> the best way for a child to become faithful to work is to establish the habit of daily household chores. Oh, this takes discipline on the part of parents. Oh, good idea, put up the list. If you do this, you get this. If you don't do it, you don't get it. Isn't that a biblical principle? Those who don't work shouldn't be allowed to eat. We shouldn't be giving handouts for those who are capable of working and refusing to work. Uh, objective of training a child is the value of work is to, be, is to build character. And you've, most of you are quite aware there's a lot of people in this world, not being judgmental, who were not taught how to work. Work is not a curse, by the way. Some people think it is. That was part of God's original plan, wasn't it? Work, take care of the garden. The sin made the work more difficult. But work was always part of God's plan for all of us. And a strategy for independence. Oh, is that your goal? You want the child to be living at home at 35 and you're still balancing their checkbook? I hope not. There's something wrong with you. Okay? <laughs> not that you don't love your child, but you want them to become independent. Each child independently manages all of his or her own finances, with the exception of food and shelter, by their senior year in high school. In other words, the older they get, the more independent, break away from parental oversight of everything they do. Grandparents can play a key role in helping to train uh, the children. Okay? Now. I have a couple questions I hope you're free to uh, answer in front of all of us. How well prepared were you to handle money when you left home? Anyone want to share that experience? I came from a big family, so we we did work for what we wanted, and I babysat. Back then, it was 50 cents an hour, but of course, it went further. And um, I, I actually am the frugal one in our family. I have to stay after my husband because he grew up in a family that was extremely generous and loved to give and give and give. And I usually have to be the bad guy and say, I don't think it's good for the the children or grandchildren to indulge them this much. Anyone else want to share how they were taught? I was taught how to work. The Kimballs, we live in a small little town in Iowa, they were known we had to do shovel everyone's walk in the winter, uh, mow their yards. We mowed huge lots. We provided the gas and the mower and you got a dollar uh, for doing that. And we also were the cemetery caretakers. We built mowed the yards, Memorial Day had to clip around all these uh, tombstones, uh, dug the graves, were the garbage collectors. That's how my parents, if you wanted money, you had to go out and earn it. Now they provided food, clothing, and shelter, but if you wanted anything else, you were, had to get out and work for it. Bob? I'm one of seven uh, growing up in our family, and so um, I'm familiar Graduate from high school. 
charge that so that my parents would have money uh, to, because um, when you fill out the FAFSA, the parents have to give it a portion, and so I was providing their portion for any scholarships or FAFSA or anything else I got. And then I went to the junior college because it was a lot cheaper, and then I worked as a janitor at the elementary school, local elementary school, for two years when I was in junior college. And so I was able to save up money to, um, to my last two years at a Christian school, which is what I wanted to do. But um, those days is when it wasn't expected that parents would pay. I think there's more of an expectation now. It's not a biblical expectation, you know, but there seems to be more of an expectation that parents would pay. I think a lot of parents get in the uh, mindset, uh, we want the life for my children better than I had it, easier than I had it. I don't know if that's necessarily a good motivation. Anyone else would like to share? Uh, I can remember when my brother and I were 10 and 12, when we would go, at, at that point when we started going clothes shopping at the beginning of the school year, my mom handed us $200 each, and she said, this is your clothes money and do with it what you want. And so me being the frugal one, I would go right to the clearance racks and you know come home with tons of pants, tons of shirts, several pairs of shoes. My brother would have two shirts, one pair of pants, and one pair of shoes. And by the second week of school, he'd be in my room asking me to borrow my clothes. And I said, sure. How much are you going to pay me? I'll rent my clothes for you. And we'd get mad. And I said, we got both got the same amount of money. So about after two years of doing that, he came to me and said, can I follow you around and see <laughs> And things like that, washing our own clothes. My parents drew up a contract when I was 16 and gave me, it was this you know, little ceremony. They gave me a key to the car and they said, you know, we'll pay your insurance if you wash the cars every weekend. If you don't, this is a percentage of the insurance that you will have to pay that, you know, <coughs> work is worth. And you're responsible for gas in the car. Now, did all this damage you mentally and emotionally? <laughs> I'll let them. Oh. <laughs> he has never made one mistake with money as far as I can say. It built character, seriously, it did, didn't it? It did. Yes. And that isn't that, that our goal for all of our children? Yes. Yeah. I'll pay for my own college. My parents said, I'll pay for your first, you know, if you want to go to school, you didn't, you know, you weren't studious enough, diligent enough for your schoolwork to get, you know, bright futures should have been, uh, that was a big mistake. Uh, but you're, you'll be responsible after the first semester of college. We'll pay for that in your books, and then you're responsible for it. So I worked 30 to 35 hours a week and took 15 hours of class and paid for my own schooling. And the, my the motivation why I told my children you at least have to pay 10% of your bill is because you have, they have a vested interest. Because they're paying part of the bill, and they're more interested in doing well. Of course, mine both wanted to excel anyway, so I didn't have but anyway, uh, but that even on a normal child, if they're putting forth some of their bucks, uh, they're not, because I even tell, oh, you just fill this class, there's $1,500 your parents threw away. It didn't bother them in the least, because it wasn't their $1,500. Now, are you modeling wise money management to your children and grandchildren? If not, what will you do? Are, are, is all, everyone doing something similar to what he promoted, and, and uh, Crown Ministry promotes similar activities also for raising children and how to handle money? Anyone with children willing to volunteer? Sure. Yes. What we did was actually, it was uh, through Crown Ministry that I learned a lot of that, what they ran through 
Now, we still budget today. Of course, we're the old Larry Paquette with hard copy, paper, and pencil. So I know where every dime goes. But my daughters, they use Excel spreadsheets, and that's how they maintain their budget. And it, they're finding enjoyable in life because they have their money goes around. We just purchased the Dave Ramsey Jr. for Sarah Kate. She's 10. And because she wants to buy... I'm probably going to get it wrong. An iPad. Kelly, help me out. Is that the thing that... Only she can't wait one more year when she has <coughs> to have it for school, and Mommy and Daddy would have to buy it. She has to have it now. I'm like, well, we're not buying for you now. So we set up her little chart and her chores and things like that, and she gets a dollar for each item, emptying the dishwasher, whatever it is. Well, she goes, well, it's just not worth that. I'm like, well, that's fine. You're not going to get your toy, or, you know, until you do it. But we have agreed to pay for half because we would have to pay for the whole thing in another year. And so we said, well, if you want it and you'll save for it and you'll work for it, then we will, we will put out half of it. But you've got to come up with the, your entire half before we're going to order it. We have not ordered the thing. She doesn't have it to play with. She doesn't have the money. You know, she counts out her money, and she's still, I don't think it's about $30 short for, for her half. She's not real diligent about doing her chores, but if she doesn't do them, she doesn't get paid. She did start doing this thing where, for a little while, she would only do the chores that she got paid for. So I finally turned around and said, no. You have a smart one. <laughs> if you don't do these things that you don't get paid for, you're not going. You're going to have to do the others as well, but you're not going to get paid for any of it if you don't do the regular expected things for just being part of the house. You don't love your daughter? I'm such a mean mom. Yes. Everybody will tell you, including Sarah, I am a mean mom. Well, the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. So that's all love. Anyone Tell else? Tell that to her. <laughs> Gary, our, our seven, what we've done with them, we've made them, they have to tie on everything they get. And that includes what they get from their grandparents and aunts and uncles or whatever they get, even if it's a gift, because a lot of times that's the most the various ages that they're bringing in. And they have to save 25% what they get. Everything else, they can spend however they want. And they're so different uh, out of the seven of them. Some of them spend every dime other than the 25% and the 10% in 
anything that they have ever is that 25% that they have to save. Some of them save virtually everything, and they don't want to spend anything. But I can tell you, there's pitfalls both ways. Uh, I mean, these people that don't want to spend any money, they're, they have more money. They're not necessarily any happier or spiritually any better off necessarily. Yeah, they're, they've got more money, but there's, there's a lot of danger both ways. Uh, and you can grow up and follow all these principles and be a miserable, miserable person your whole life. And I, I know some of them. Uh, and they're, they, they've never developed, you know, character. You know, what does that mean? You know, I wish Ramsey would have mentioned at least Jesus in there somewhere. You know, he ran around and lived off of the women that were following. So that, I wouldn't advocate that. And the Bible talks about um, principles that we should follow. Uh, but it's, but it's, a, it's a matter of their hearts. You know, are they, if they're saving all this money, are they generous? Uh, are they willing to, you know, give uh, when it hurts? And it's going to, you know, endanger their savings plan a little bit. Now, I think the greater danger is the spending everything you have because that's just self-gratification. But where is your heart? Where is your treasure? You know, it can be in the material things you buy because you're a spendthrift, but it can be in that savings account that you have, too. You can get proud of that. Uh, and, you know, at the... the some people that I know who've gone older doing that, I mean, it's just, um, to spend any money is just such a, uh, a, a difficult thing for them that they end up getting, in my view, kind of weird. Uh, and and uh, so, so there's dangers both ways. And of course, the middle is the gospel. Uh, and, and, but, but, you know, that's the way we've done it, you know, and, and I think that, that, and I would never say to the tight ones, you have to spend more. I mean, that's the hard issues that they have to struggle with. But there's dangers both ways. I agree with uh, my brother-in-law saying in that that's my first exposure to Dave Ramsey. I listened to, or I read a lot of Larry Burkett stuff when I was much younger, trying to follow a lot of his advice. I'm not so sure we couldn't play that same video in the Lakeland Civic Center with a bunch of you know, non-Christians. The principles that he was talking about were almost, if you save your money, you save your money to be wealthy. I was hoping he might throw in there, if you save your money, you can be more giving with your money to, to more charitable contributions, whether it's at church or whether it's other things. And also, I'm not, again, I could be way off on what he was trying to teach. Um, I almost got the impression he was saying if you are not wealthy, you are not successful. I don't think that's what he meant today. I think there's a lot of folks who him. work very hard um, who are also very successful. There's probably a lot more to that, given the yeah. benefit of the doubt. Yes. We didn't see that was just a I would, part about I would venture to say you will be blessed of the Lord. How that blessing comes about could be just satisfied with where God's put you in your life, which is a blessing, not necessarily financial reward. Again, that was just my right. first yeah, he's on the radio every night here on WLKF, and um, he he does emphasize the generosity and giving, and he gives a, a Christian testimony. So I think he's coming from the right place, but he's teaching a certain principle. 
but we, for everybody. Yes. I just pulled a section out which he taught about uh, for children. There's a part about yeah. parents, and he gets into the more spiritual aspect of parents and dealing with this. I do think he's coming from a Christian's perspective, maybe not perfectly what we would probably say, but overall I think the message needs to be there. Now I have two daughters who are personality. One's a tight-fisted with every little dime, and the other one's not that she wastes monies, but she's more free about spending. And I remind the tight-fisted one, you're, God gave you the ability, you're in the money, you should enjoy to some degree the fruit of your labor. She, and she's never frivolous, by the way. Uh, but therefore, that's why God's blessed you, so you can provide for you. Yes? I think the one thing that we always have to take into account is this. There is always an exception that proves the rule. And sometimes you hear people trying to give a reason for this and a reason for that. Sometimes you can't hit the reason on the head because it's hidden in what you're doing. I come from a background where when I was a kid, if you ever found a dollar or even 15 cents or a dime somewhere on a, on a ground, you thought you found you were a millionaire. And so uh, you couldn't teach me at the time what to do with my money to use it well or to save it, because there wasn't any of it to, around. So uh, what you have to do is there are principles that, are, that should be found if you can. And I think that's what you're teaching, and I think that's wonderful. It's wonderful if there is money to teach children how to use it, because children, it, I, I, it's a sad thing, but the children of today very often are not a, a, a blessing to the parents because they haven't been trained at all. Kermit, did you want to? Yeah, Ramsey speaks of Christian principles, but he mainly, on the radio, says, live within your means. Right. And don't become indebted. Yeah. Um, just live within your means. But he, he hits so much on Christian principles that a non-believer listening to him has to be picking up something to him. Yeah. So he benefits yeah. people. And from just as a way of example, and I'll give you two. This is one. One is a Jewish guy, and one is a Christian, coming from a Christian principle. One is Christian's grandfather who has never bought anything on credit in his life. Nothing. Not a house, not a car. He's never paid one dime of interest to anyone. He was a school teacher, taught typing. And I've... Maybe I'm I've, teaching the wrong thing. And they retired early. But I've been here to say there are few, if any, in this room who have his resources. And he did that all because he would take his money and he would invest it. And if you invest money back in 1940 or whenever he was investing, compounding, yeah, compounding, it's worth a lot of money now. He wasn't paying interest. And then I deposed a guy in New York City uh, about a month ago. His name was Ruben Schron. He was a Jewish fellow, and he was born on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, yes, sometime in the 20s or something. Um, and he and his brothers would uh, do anything they could to make money. And, uh, and, and not illegally, but and they would, for example, uh, they knew that uh, at Times Square on New Year's Eve, everybody would want the party favors, you know, the things you blow and the hats. So they would run around during the year and buy those up cheaply at odd times of the year, and they would all go and stand in Times Square in the sub-zero temperatures and sell those things. And then they bought an apartment building with their money, and then on, without credit, and then they sold that one, and they bought another one, and they bought another one, and I forgot how many hundreds of millions of dollars the man is worth. Um, he owns the Woolworth Building and, and other buildings in New York City. But the principles are fantastic. 
uh, my only point was they don't, you know, for Ruben Schron, it's not doing him any good because he has no savior. And what profit a man is to gain the whole world right. and yet lose his very self. We have time for one more comment. Chris? I'd just like to say, really, the overarching principle that, as believers, it, and talking about children is Deuteronomy 6. And a lot of this stuff is just what you keep before them in your everyday. I'm so impressed with Stephanie because she just talks to the kids so well about everything, and money is one of those things. And it's striking when you go through a drive-through and the kids say, well, why are we getting this? Or do you have a coupon? Or do we have a deal? Or is this a place that kids eat clean on this night? I mean, it's funny, and it's anecdotal, but it's also, I think, pretty powerful, because these are a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and even a three-year-old is starting to grasp how you think about spending your money. And if you work, if you think about it a little bit, you don't have to pay for things in some arenas, and you can keep more of your money to spend on other this things. This is it's God's money, which he <coughs> meant to you to use wisely. Right. That's what you teach your children. Yes, you, you work for it, but it's actually God provided this for you. Okay, and let us uh, close in prayer. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank thee that we do have your word, and we just pray that we would be faithful in studying it to show ourselves approved unto you, and just pray that you'd help us as we raise our children and grandchildren and in the area of finances and how to handle money, that we would follow your godly principles that you put forth in your work. Bless this upcoming service in thy name. Amen. Thank you for coming. <clears throat>